0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I'm Jillian, and today I thought I would do a little life update chat. This is the kind of podcast that I wish that we could sit down and order a, an oat milk flat white, and we could sit and we could chat. But since you might be located in a completely different place than I am, because I am recording this in my apartment in Barcelona, Spain... That's not really possible. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, let's pretend that we're hanging out and let's chat about some things that have been coming up in life recently. So it is Friday. I tend to record my podcast on Friday and today I'm going camping for the first time in I don't even – no, actually, you know the last time I went camping was right before I left the United States, so it was about 10 years ago. And I was going through a lot of life changes and I had really, really long hair. And my really long hair used to be for me like the sign that I was feminine because I'm, I'm not the most feminine female. Um, I don't wear makeup. I, I wear a lot of more comfortable clothing rather than more like feminine type clothing, I guess. And for me, my long hair was a sign of femininity. And I was like, I need a change. And so I was camping with my friends and this was back when I drank alcohol. And I had some whiskey in one hand and I let my friend, or I put my hair in a braid and I let my guy friend, who of course doesn't know how to cut hair, literally just cut straight through my ponytail. Um, And then I went to my hairdresser afterwards, who at the time was a lovely gentleman named Manny, who, (laughs) he was, he was funny. I'm not going to tell you about Manny today. That's another story. And Manny looked at me and was like, what did you do? He was so mad, but he actually cut it into a super cute short bob, and that was the last time I went camping. That was like 2013. And so, wow, 10 years later, going camping, and something I've realized about myself over the years is I adore living in a city. So I live in a pretty central area of Barcelona. I can walk to coffee shops. I have grocery stores super close by. I have bars and restaurants, uh, public transport, and I love that. But I've realized over the years that my mental health and the way that I feel in my body and in my life feels so much better when I have nature as like a regular thing. And so last weekend I went with a couple of friends um, and another dog. You know how much I love dogs. So my friend and his Rottweiler and one of my best friends, we went up and did a really long hike in an area of Catalonia and it just feels So good to be out in nature and I've realized about myself now that when I feel kind of overwhelmed or I feel a little bit uneasy, a lot of the time it has to do with the fact that I simply haven't spent enough time out in nature and that can be literally going to a park with some trees and hills and walking around with Ona off leash or it can be like leaving the city altogether but as I grow up, as I grow up, I say that, I'm 36 years old technically. I guess I'm a grown up. I don't feel like it. And I've realized how much I need that to sort of balance out how I feel, which is so cool because as we get older and we learn more about ourselves and as I get older, I realize more and more how much I know myself and how knowing myself is less of a judgment thing and more of like a self compassion and like appreciation of who I am thing and so it used to be a self-judgment thing of like oh I'm someone that doesn't do this or doesn't like that and I've realized that that isn't really helpful for me what is helpful for me is noticing like hey my, maybe my natural tendency isn't to enjoy this thing but let me try it and see how I feel and over the years I've found that I've become much more open to experiences because I don't judge myself. So this also brings me to something that I've been thinking about a lot is that this is maybe the first or second, maybe the second summer I've been really intentional and forward thinking and making plans. I used to be very insecure about trying to make plans with people or thinking ahead and a lot of that had to do with the story that I would tell myself about people just don't want to hang out with me. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that I didn't ever feel like I looked good enough to be someone that was like truly cared about or appreciated. And as I continue to do the work that I do, because the work that I do with my clients is work that I have done with myself, as time continues, I realize how much less stressful it feels to do new things and have new experiences because I'm not worried about my inability to keep my eating under control. I'm not worried about how other people think I look. And that is a really freeing feeling. But I want to make a really important point because I've realized over the years why this is possible and what's changed. Back in the day when I was macro tracking, was like going to the gym six days a week, whatever, I was very disciplined but that discipline came with a lot of fear of like I have to do this because it's what I quote unquote should do otherwise I'm not good enough or I never will be good enough, right? And a lot of it came from these underlying beliefs that like if I looked better life would be better. If I looked better I would have more dates and people would like me more and I'd be more popular and I'd get invited to more things and all of these things that I used to tell myself that I've realized over the years absolutely not true. People don't like me when I look better. People like me when I'm like a nicer, more fun, engaged human, right? But the difference is where I used to be super disciplined, now I practice really great self-regulation. And I talked a lot about values in episode 91, I think it was, like two weeks ago. And self-regulation, so I, I looked up, so I, I knew I wanted to mention this, so I looked it up really so I could tell you the definition. And self-regulation is essentially the ability to act in your long-term best interest consistent with your deepest values. That's from a 2011 uh, research study. And I thought about this and I was like, oh my gosh, when I was quote unquote super disciplined, I wasn't necessarily acting consistent with my deepest values. I was acting consistent with what I thought that I was supposed to want in order to be quote unquote happy, right? And so what's changed is I still do a lot of the behaviors that I did when I was quote unquote disciplined. Like I still go to the gym consistently. um, I still eat lots of vegetables. I still, you know, have protein and veggies and carbs on my plate, right? But the difference is, and I was having this conversation with a new client the other day that the difference is the intention has changed. And so since the intention behind the behavior has changed, how the behavior makes me feel and my motivation to do the behavior feels completely different. And so while perhaps like eating protein with every meal and eating veggies with every meal felt like this thing I quote unquote had to do, now it's something I want to do because it feels good for me because my goals are aligned with my deepest values. So I've shared this before. My values are connection, curiosity, creativity, and freedom. And in order to live out those things, it's really important for me to treat myself with respect. Going to the gym six days a week and like beating myself up in the gym and undereating and like not allowing myself to have treats, like that's not treating myself with respect. But some of those behaviors like making sure I eat protein in every meal, going to the gym regularly, like trying to get in a good amount of movement throughout my day, drinking water... Those behaviors are now coming from a place of like, this aligns with my values because this is how I want to feel. And if, if you want to go deeper into this, please listen to episode 91 if you haven't. This has been a huge realization for me as I've like traveled and done all of these incredible things with the, in, in these relationships that I've been able to build. Now that I have space in my brain to like not be thinking about food in my body all the time, it's a really important shift that we can make and we can make this at any age right like I was self-conscious and insecure up through like the beginning of my 30s right which is interesting because another thing that I've been thinking about that I wanted to bring up is like I'm 36 years old and I am in my first healthy relationship ever right and I know that there's a lot of like 30 something year olds out there even 20 something year olds out there that are like oh my gosh Like no one's ever going to love me or I keep dating the wrong men, et cetera, et cetera. And one thing that I I really got so much out of when I was sort of in the process of understanding like, well, am I the common thread here? Like if all of my relationships are unhealthy, if I keep finding these men that are like emotionally unavailable, like I'm the common thread here, right? (laughs) And it wasn't a self-blaming thing. It was more of like, I want to understand myself a little bit better. And so... I read or I started learning about attachment theory and I read this book called Attached which I highly recommend. It goes into like the different types of attachment styles um, and also gives you some tools and tips for like how to start shifting your attachment style. And so I'm a very anxious, uh, anxiously attached person like by nature. However, I also very much believe that I have the capacity to learn and change and grow. And so one of the things I've been really working on in this relationship that I'm in because my partner is, and this is going to sound so cheesy and please don't like roll your eyes at me, but I didn't know that being in a relationship could feel like this because all of the relationships that I had been in had been like me with horrible anxiety, um, me with men that like weren't emotionally available partly because I wasn't emotionally available and just not a deep connection because I wasn't able to be like truly myself and I say this because a lot of us think that like there aren't relationships out there like it's not possible to have those types of relationships like oh it's good for other people but not for me it is possible but it might take some like self-work to get you to the point where you can like receive and give that as well and so I was anxious in relationships, constantly looking for validation, very sensitive to changes in other people's energy and I realized that this is very much related to my relationship with food and my body because one of the reasons why I stayed stuck like in my strict macro tracking phase and all of that for so long was because I needed constant validation and if my body looked a certain way I would get a lot of that external validation But I wasn't internally validating myself. So one of the things that I I realized in this book is that people that have a secure attachment style are people that also believe in their inherent worth. And so when someone, you know, does something that they don't like or when someone rejects them or doesn't respond to their text messages or whatever, it doesn't go to a place of I am not good enough. It goes to a place of, oh, like this is just not meant for me. And Learning that about people with secure attachment styles was really game changing for me because I started to ask myself how do I start thinking like someone who has a secure attachment style and it totally changed the way that I dated and I think was one of the reasons why I was able to receive the the like connection and the relationship that I'm in now which I have no idea what's gonna happen with this relationship. I don't know. I hope that I'm gonna be with my partner for a very long time because he's like a brilliant human. But who knows, right? I'm doing my best to enjoy it right now. So that's some life update stuff and some work update stuff. So I had just made a big investment and I signed up for business coaching. This will be my fourth business coach and over the years, I've learned something new from each of the business coaches I've worked with. And I've probably, i God, I've invested thousands and thousands of dollars into my business. And I've gotten burned by coaches in the past. And so part of me was like, I know this would be helpful, but I just don't want what happened before to happen. And I think this often happens when individuals are thinking about hiring like a nutrition coach. Is maybe you've gotten burned by someone in the past or you just haven't had a good experience. And now it's like, well, I don't want that to happen again. And so... For me, it was a lot more of like how do I vibe with the person and how do I vibe with this coach? Does, do they seem approachable? Do they seem accessible? Like do they have the knowledge I need? But also like do I feel comfortable talking to them? Because rapport is one of the most important factors in like a successful coaching relationship, therapy relationship, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. I am committed to building this business because my goal is to be able to support as many individuals as I can in building self-confidence, in feeling comfortable in their bodies, in breaking through some of the mindset blocks that we have around food and around our bodies. So I'm committed to this and that means that I got to invest money in my business. And I've also, I just had the very first session for the body image coaching program, The Confident Body. And this is a program that I put together because I realized that the confident eater really works on your mindset around food, but in order to truly have a good relationship with food, we need to be able to be at peace with our bodies as well. And there was a reflection from one of the participants yesterday that I wanted to share. And she, she was like, I had this light bulb moment where, you know, you ask the question. So I have forms and videos and things in there to help with self-reflection and things like that. And one of the questions was, what does your body image hold you back from? And what does your actual body hold you back from? And for her, she was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that I physically can do a lot of things that I am telling myself I shouldn't because of how I feel about my body. She was like, my body is incredible. It is strong. It is fast. I am in good health. But I tell myself that, for example, like I shouldn't get up and run around by the pool with my kids because I don't look good enough. And it has nothing to do with my actual body. And that was so amazing. This was after doing like the very first module of the program. So I cannot wait to see what we have to come. And I will probably be relaunching this program in September or October. So if you're curious about it, let me know. Reach out to me on Instagram and we can chat about what that looks like. I'm also, I'm really excited because I'm realizing more and more how many individuals out there that have been dieting or specifically macro tracking for a long time and are really stressed out about like, how do I approach nutrition if I'm not tied to these specific numbers? And there's a lot of fear around not tracking macros. And so the confident eater is going to be shifting a little bit more towards helping individuals that diet and helping individuals that are tracking macros to build in more flexibility, more comfort and confidence, not tracking and being able to make the decision between like, hey, if I'm not going to track today or this week, like that doesn't need to mean it's a quote unquote off track week because that also like I mentioned earlier with self regulation that has a lot to do with self regulation skills. The last thing I will say before I wrap up is I've been working with some awesome macro-based nutrition coaches and I've been seeing some really interesting things. And that is macro courses, so courses that teach people how to coach on macronutrients aren't teaching how to coach, they're teaching directing, which means that there are a lot of like really empathetic and incredible macro coaches out there that just don't have the skills that they need to actually coach. Keeping in mind that coaching is like helping the individual bring out the best in themselves and that requires a lot of back and forth, a lot of questions, especially open-ended questions. And so there's a lot of macro coaches out there that are amazing at like giving you the numbers that you need to reach the goals that you want. Great at like providing recipes, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a lot of coaches that aren't skilled in communication and education around emotional eating, dealing with clients that have food rules or helping clients get out of like negative self-talk. If you're a coach listening to this and that resonates with you, let's chat because I have a small group of coaches that I'm working on or working with right now and we do every other week we get together and we have a little bit of like workshop slash like education and then we do some open coaching client scenarios and things like that. So... Yeah, I'm going to go, I need to go pack my bag because if you follow me on Instagram, you know that one of my toxic traits is packing at the very last minute. So I'm leaving for camping in a couple of hours. So I should probably go put my backpack together. Don't you think? With that, you enjoyed this podcast. Make sure that you are following. A new episode comes out every Monday. If you would like to share this with someone, I appreciate that so much. Some of the most incredible people that I've gotten to work with and individuals that that message me on social media are individuals that are like, someone passed me this podcast. So you could be that person that helps your friend or your family member find this podcast. How cool would that be? Well, with that, my friend, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I will see you again next week, hopefully.